0: Hello, and welcome to what is the third episode of our uh, hockey podcast. Um, This episode, we will be talking about three right wingers. My name is Riley, and I am joined by Bill. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. And today we are, uh, as usual, we are going to be talking about one eligible player who is not currently in the Hall of Fame. One who is currently, or recently inducted, rather, and finally an old timer who was inducted a long time ago. And uh, this episode, those people will be Jerome Ginla, who is not officially retired, but is for all intents and purposes retired, because he hasn't played since last year. And I doubt anyone's about to sign him. Uh, Timu Solani, who was inducted uh, last year in 2017, and then Didier Petra. Did I get that right?
1: You did, and it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to talk about him because he's uh, he's you know, one of the one of the original uh, flying Frenchmen. So
0: there you go. So all all uh, fast right wingers or reasonably fast right wingers. Mm -hmm. Um, before we get into each player, just just a reminder of some of the terms you're gonna come across. Um, that we talk about. Uh, we have, we have this very rough idea since we're talking about forwards today i can i can specifically say this rough idea of what a quality player is when we mention quality we're talking about about 0.5 uh points per game um it's also worth noting that we are talking uh what the definitions of some other terms are so uh point share is a term that the invaluable hockey reference uses to determine how much a player contributes to um the team points so it's like a win share in baseball but it's a rougher approximation for hockey and there's offensive they're defensive in their goalie and uh they're all calculated slightly differently they are all very rough they're uh when we talk about Aginla and solani they have some meaning when we get to petra they have virtually no meaning whatsoever um and uh, i mean that that's a common why that is is a conversation for another day i guess uh, we're also talking, we're going to mention possession stats. Uh, possession stats, we're mentioning are Corsi and Fenwick, which are both estimates of shots. Uh, and the reason for that is shots uh, are considered to be an approximate way of measuring uh, possession shots on goal, obviously, not just random shots. Uh, And then finally, uh, we have adjusted stats. Adjusted stats are calculated by hockey reference. They are, once again, an approximate stat. They're an attempt to say what would this player produce if they were in an average NHL season, which I believe is considered to be 1972. I think. Anyway, um, so first off, we're going to start talking about Jerome uh, McGinley. We're going to go over his stats and his accomplishments and the good teams he was on. And then we're going to have a general discussion about him. Full disclosure, when Peter Forsberg retired the first time, McGinley uh, became my favorite NHL player at the time for a little while. So I may have opinions um, that are not necessarily based in reality. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Um, but time I think has like calmed me down a little bit. I was reading his stats for this, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, uh, I think I'm gonna be more reasonable than I thought I'd be. Anyway, uh, so uh, Jerome McGinley, he had a 20 season NHL career from 1996 to 2017. 18 of those seasons were what we call quality. He scored 625 goals, which is 15th all time, as well as 625. 625- Assists, and that's 1300 points in 1554 games, which is 13th all time. He was plus 30, and since they started calculating ice time in just a year or two into his, I guess two years into his career, he had uh, 1944 minutes on ice, which is you know somewhere between a top uh, three and top six top three, I guess. And then he had 157.9 point shares. He is 14th all time in offensive point shares as well, but that has a lot to do with the number of games he played. In his draft class, he is first in goals, uh, which was 1995, sorry. He was first in goals, first in assists, first in points, first in games, and 10th in plus minus. He was drafted 11th overall. It's too complicated to figure out where he stands in terms of the per game, because hockey reference doesn't let us do that. Um, for his era, of the nine players to play in at least 1,250 games between 1996 and 2017, again, this first in goals, third in goals per game, third in assists, fourth in assists per game, third in points, fourth in points per game, fifth in plus minus, second in offensive point shares, and second in point shares. So you roughly say he's a top three player ish for that period. Um, his 82 game average was 33 goals, 35 assists for 69 points plus two which is, uh, compared to the players we talked about last episode, significantly lower. Um, his three-year peak, which was 2006 to 2009, was an 82-game average of 44 goals, 56 point assists for 99 points, plus 13. So significantly better uh, than his overall career. His possession numbers are not good. Um, they're 49.6 Corsi uh, 4%, which means he's below average or 0.1 Corsi for uh, percentage relative, which means he was just slightly better than his teammates, just teeny tiny bit, like um, negligibly, and a 48.9% Fenwick, which again is below average and a minus uh, 0.8% Fenwick relative, which means he was slightly worse than his teammates. Uh, but I just wanted to, I put a little note here for myself to say that it's worth noting that they started uh, tracking these in 2007, 2008, which was right at the tail end of the best years of his career. Yeah. And um, it's also worth noting that that's an average over those years. And if you look at his 2008 or 2009 or 2010 possession numbers, they're they're almost elite level. It's only the fact that he played forever that drags them down into yeah. below average. Uh, His playoff numbers are 37 goals, 31 assists, for 68 points in 81 games, plus 7. His adjusted numbers are 706 goals, which is 6th all-time, which is crazy, 739 assists, and 1,445 points, which is 15th all-time. His adjusted 82 game average is 37 goals, 40 assists, for 76 points. And then in terms of his adjusted points per game, if the qualifier is set at 1,250 games, he's 22nd all-time, If he it's dropped any lower than that, he drops out of the top twenty-five, and he's been traded three times, all at the very end of his career after he was traded from the Flames.
1: Yeah, and that's basically—I mean, the only reason he got traded was to try to help them out and give himself a chance at a cup. Yeah. Um, And then inexplicably go to the Avalanche and sort of (laughs) almost ruin the the tail end of his career before he got the hell over there. Okay. Um, his accomplishments. Uh, he won the Ted Lindsay once in 02. He won the Art Ross once again in 02. And he won the Rocket Richard twice in 02 and 04. Um, the King Clancy, he won once in 04. Top five in heart voting thrice, 02, 04, and 08. Um, he was a top five player by point shares once in 02 and a top 10 player twice, um, which would be 02 and 08. Uh, he was the best offensive uh, player by offensive point shares once in 02. clearly the best season of his career. Yeah. Um, he was top five thrice 08 and 11, as well as Oh two and top top 10, three times. So it'd be Oh four, Oh seven, Oh eight, 11 and Oh uh, two. Um, he scored 50 goals, twice, 40 goals, four times, 35 goals, eight times. One of only 22 players, 30 goals, 12 times, one of only 13 players and one of, the 11 players to score 30 goals, 10 years in a row, only Jagger and Ginla played in the dead puck era out of those guys. And Sorry. I, 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 I had to I, put that in there. Oh my God. Yes. Cause I mean, like you talk about again, Oh, he hit 50 goals twice and you're like, well, yeah. While well, guys were tackling him in the corner. Like, I mean, yeah. he's, he was a, he, he played in the hardest era to score goals. I mean, yeah. You know, um, uh, he scored 25 goals, 15 times, one of only 11 players, 20 goals, 17 times, one of only 14 players. So, Uh, He ranks very well uh, in the um, sort of pantheon of consistent goal scorers. You know, if you have a guy, if you have a right winger who you need to skate fight hit and also uh, pound in 20 to 30, 40 goals, (laughs) he's probably at the very top of your list. Um, He tallied 50 assists twice and 40 assists six times. He scored 90 points, thrice, 80 points, five times, 70 points, seven times, 60 points, 13 times, one of only 25 players, uh, 50 points, 16 times, one of only 23 players. He led the league in goals twice, top five, four times. He led the league in goals per game once, uh, top five, four times, top 10, five times. Uh, he was the top in assists once he was top 10 in assists per game. Once he led the league in points, once top five, twice, top 10, four times. Um, He was uh, top five in points per game twice and top ten four times. He was a first-team all-star thrice, second-team once, and he had six all-star game appearances.
0: And finally, for his uh, great teams or sort of great teams, he was the uh, best skater. He led the playoffs in goals on one runner-up, which were the 2004 Calgary Flames, and he was a top nine forward on one final four, which is the uh, conference finals on the 2013 Penguins um, and then in the Olympics, he was a top three forward, uh, at least as according to points. And he led the tournament in goals on one Olympic champion, which was Canada in 2010. And he was, I guess, a top nine forward on one Olympic champion in 2002. I don't remember. I was guessing when I wrote that. Um, tried to figure out by points, but I couldn't really figure it out. Um, and then for World Cup champion, he was a top nine-ish forward on one World Cup champion in 1997 Canada. He was a top six forward on one world champion, um, which was also 97, Uh, I guess earlier in the year. I don't remember when the World Cup was that year. I guess it should be World Cup 96, probably. Anyway, Um, and then he was the best skater and given the award of best forward on one World, world junior champion, which was the 1996 Canada team. He was also a top three forward by points on one Memorial Cup champion, which were the 95 Blazers. And the previous year he was, I think, a top nine forward on the uh, 94 Blazers who also won the Memorial Cup. So uh, if you put aside the fact that the Flames did not have a lot of playoff success, he has actually a lot of uh, international success, uh, relatively speaking, though he wasn't always a star on those teams.
1: I I so, actually uh Riley I think yeah. actually when you're talking about the World Cup and then the uh, World Cup uh the World Championship in 97 I think the World Cup you're referring to is probably the 2004
0: mm. World Cup. No, uh, 96 I think.
1: Really? I, I I don't think he was on that team cuz
0: Oh okay. That yeah, that would make sense. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah would, he couldn't possibly be on that team, been his right?
1: have was rookie season and that was a yeah. team with like Gretzky and Oh, you're right. Boys. Yeah. You're absolutely
0: right. You're absolutely right. Uh, who knows what I was thinking when I wrote yeah. that.
1: Um, I know that because I was at one of the games in 96. <laughs> oh, there you go.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's no way he would he would have been super young and no one would have known who he was.
1: Canada assembled their super teams. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I feel like a couple of years ago in particular, I would have argued pretty vehemently that he deserves to belong in the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure I've changed my mind, but I do think I've like maybe calmed down a little bit Um, in part because I think much like with when we were talking about with Recky, but for different reasons, you can make a case that he doesn't, though I think that case is mostly based on pretending that there's no difference between eras.
1: I think that's the only way you could even make an argument that he shouldn't belong. And even then I would say he's that argument, I think only makes him a bubble case where you'd have to, you'd be able to argue it both ways. Probably.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can say like, he never scored a hundred points in the season, you know, Um,
1: he scored 99.
0: (laughs) He scored. Yeah. He scored in the high nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether it was 98 or, uh, you
1: know, and during an era where, most like most players were considered really really good if they had above 55 60 points you're like wow that guy's having a hell of a season cuz yeah. like so many games finished you know 1 nothing 2-1 3-2 uh, was like a, wow that was a good game yeah. like
0: well and and the year one of the two years he led the league in goals he led it he he tied for the league in goals with 41 hmm. right and then he tied Kovalchuk and Nash yeah. and that was i believe the lowest gold total to lead the league in like i i believe it was 30 or 40 years hmm. it might have been 40 yeah. like since the original six era no one had scored that few goals and uh so i mean that you know i feel like that puts it in perspective anyway that I, like
1: I, I would agree with that i mean like when you have a league where you know 50 goals is the benchmark and no one hits it and not like just misses out. Like they miss it by a lot. You're like, uh, I don't know if that's good. And, uh, you know, they did have an entire lockout which tried to fix the game. So.
0: Yeah. And, and the thing is also is that like when he did, when the lockout changed, he went on and like, yes, his best year relative to the league was, was Oh two. Uh-huh. But if you go by, um, if you go by like, points per game his best years were actually right immediately post lockout when he averaged like I said it's an 82 game average so it's you know um it doesn't it doesn't account for the fact that he was injured and didn't play full 82 games every year but he was averaging essentially 100 points um for those seasons uh obviously not scoring 100 points because he didn't play 82 games every year but like You know, he was, once the league offense picked up a little bit, he was, he was essentially averaging it. So you, you know, that, I I think that it's really, it's the, and not that you can't, you got to think, you got to take the adjusted stats with a grain of salt, but, you know, I mean, he's, he's almost a top five all-time goal scorer uh, on the adjusted goals. Like that's, I mean, that says how little goal scoring has been going on in his era.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, one of those things where I think his, his stats sort of don't show how dominant he was yeah but like he he you know and you know I'm a Canucks fan so it pains me to say all these awesome things about Jerome ginla but um, <laughs> um, given how much we are supposed to hate every flame but he was you he, he was a classy guy he uh, he did basically everything right you, you can't ever find him doing anything dirty if somebody did something dirty he made the guy answer the bell uh, yeah. he was really a complete player he could skate because he had all the success on the international ice I mean you can't be a really good international player, I think without being able to keep up with in terms of skating, because you have the extra ice and it just sort of seems like it's a, it's a much more a, sort of a patient passing game. And so you have to always yeah. kind of be in motion and you, you speed kills in the international game. Right. So, I mean, if he was able to be that good on international ice, it says something. Um, he was completely clutch. I mean, you know, that playoff run, it was like, he just kept scoring big goal after big goal. He's basically, yeah. You know, him and Craig Conroy versus the world with Mick yeah, yeah, yeah. keeping them in the game. For sure. Um, although that, that, just, that team had a certain little bit of magic to it where everybody sort of played out of their minds. Um, yeah. He had that. Just to interject
0: that, on the international him, thing. Yeah. Sorry. Just interject on the international thing for a moment. The other thing about that is like, just as a comparison to recce last episode, recce like didn't get called onto international teams. Yeah. And we were like, well, his longevity numbers are too good. We can't, like, reject him. But here's a guy who, yes, he wasn't the star of these international teams normally, yeah. except for one of the stars on the 2010 Olympic gold medals. But aside from that, but he was there, and he was there consistently, right? Like, they, he, if he was available, they wanted him on the team, which says something about his career.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean... Uh- you know, by the time they got to the 2010 Olympics, he was on there, sort of like as a veteran presence. And you've you've done this before, but he was still a very elite player. I mean, they they you know, if you want to talk about the quality player, was he was he was the guy who made the pass to Crosby, which means he was on. Yeah. You know, in the later stages of his career, as like a 14 year veteran, he was on the ice four on four on you know. Yeah. For the Olympic gold medal, and I, that was played in Vancouver, so it wasn't international ice, but I mean. The four on four is a lot of skating, and he was out there no problem with with Crosby, who I think maybe was not considered as defensively responsible back in those days.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Whether or not he was, he was definitely not considered that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean, so putting him out there says I, I think speaks volumes about Aginla. Uh, and you know he had he had everything right. He's, he had a big slapper. He had a fantastic wrist shot. Um, probably. I would say the arguable between him and Marcus Naslin for that period as to who had the best wrist shot in hockey, like every time they got the puck, if they were below like anywhere from the ears in, you're just like, Oh boy, here you go. Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, pick the post and in and, uh, again, it would go to the net hard. He was a good skater. He would hit people a lot, especially in the playoffs. He really threw the body around. Um, you know, he had that classic fight with Le Cavalier in game five of the cup final, where they were just going head to head, like so damn hard. And it was, everybody sort of agreed it's one of these like iconic fights because it wasn't two goons. It wasn't to send a message. It was just two guys playing so hard that they just had to beat the crap out of each other. Um, And, you know, I mean like a really successful career, especially given the fact that he ended up playing on the flames for most of it. And the flames were except for that 2004 year, um, you know, pretty crappy.
0: Yeah. Well, they never, that was the only time they advanced even to the conference finals in his entire career with them. And he was there for years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, and I mean, that, that, that year was like, I mean, you know, some, some somebody, well, actually you were saying before that, uh, his career, you know, seems to be over, but I know he was playing with the Providence Bruins on a tryout for a while. I don't know if that would make him eligible to join them for this year's playoffs, but, uh,
0: yeah, we would assume that's why he would be doing it, but I don't
1: know. Yeah, so maybe he's not in game shape yet and he can't do it this year, but maybe it'll, it's something he'll want to try to do next year and hop onto a team he thinks has a chance of going all the way. Yeah, um, maybe. Um, I was actually, I was one like really wondering why he wasn't at the Olympics for Team Canada, and then I heard about the injury and was like, oh, that's why. Otherwise, for sure he would have gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, but yeah, it's like one of those things where you think about his career. People will say, oh, he never won a cup, but it's like. Two gold medals, uh, you know. He came really uh, close
0: to winning a cup.
1: Yeah, that's it. And I, honestly, I think a lot of people would argue that Jelena did score in game six and the Flames I, probably I would be one of cup. those people, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Me too. And I, again, as a Canucks fan, <laughs> admitting that the Flames yeah. probably won the Cubs is a real piss off. But I mean, it it seems much more likely to me that that puck went in than it didn't go in, given the, yeah. like, the little video explanation they gave. But that's typical NHL stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's like... Even if he didn't win that cup, he brought them to the brink of a cup, basically, you know, him and Craig Conroy. And it's like in, in an era where man was it hard to get through the West and they, you know, they beat some really good teams and they were just absolutely on fire. Like I just yeah. remember them winning like the series against San Jose, and you're just like, Man, Calgary is just like they're everywhere. They get every break, every bounce. They're they're It right was also
0: like be. it was one of those teams that you could like as a Canadian you just sort of, well, I can't speak for Canucks fans or Oilers fans, but at least on this coast, you sort of just like, you just, you jumped on that bandwagon. I I think
1: everyone in Canada jumped on that one. I was
0: firmly on that bandwagon that year. By
1: by the time, by the time they made it, uh, because they, because they beat Vancouver in round one. So I think for round two, I was definitely against them. But then by the time they got to round three, I'm just like, I kind of want to see them go all the way now. Like I like Marty Jellin enough for, uh, let's let's see this thing through. Yeah. Um, And they were just a very likable team and such like an underdog. And they just kept pulling it off and pulling it off. And the whole city city of Calgary was going crazy with the red mile. Yeah. I remember talking to my grandmother and she's like, boy, they sure are excited about the flames. (laughs) I'm like, granny, don't look outside. (laughs) (laughs) There's lots of topless girls. (laughs) Calgary's going crazy after every playoff win. (laughs) Um, So it's
0: uh... Yeah. I, I think that he, you know, I think, if you if you adjust for era and you look even if you just look at the era and that he was one of the top couple forwards in his era because you know like i said when i was reading it off there's i mean i i didn't lower the qualifier but yeah for those 10 or so players who played as many games as he did over a 20 year period you know he's he's uh, in the top 3 in most offensive categories a couple times he's in the top 4 and that's only cuz his assists are lower um, And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's easy if you just, if you look at, like, his single season, best single seasons, you could say, especially looking at the 80s, well, this guy wasn't dominant, but we know that's not true. Yeah. And in addition to briefly being dominant, he was also, he also had also a really long career. I mean... There are only, like, I think I you read this out. There's only eleven players who have ever scored thirty goals ten years in a row, and mm-hmm. Aginla gets forgotten in that conversation because usually when they talk me to talk about it, they talk about the guys who did it from the first the first ten years of their career, yeah. which for some reason they do that and that knocks off Aginla. I don't know why they do that, but they do, um, and it knocks off one other person on that list. I can't remember, but that list is like it's the people you would think it would be. Yeah. Um, it's Gretzky, it's Curry, it's Jager, it's uh, Gartner, it's Avechkin who just joined it recently. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the usual suspects. And that's, in addition to having those, you know, leading the league in goals a couple times, twice, and being up there a few more times, he also just regularly scored for a decade, a decade, and he you know this is a very short list of people who did that. Even yeah, and most of those players played in the eighties yeah, when it was yeah. e- when you know as I used to used to say when I was younger about nineteen ninety three. Though this applies also to like I think it was nineteen eighty two was the really and eighty six were the really crazy years in eighties, the but they were all crazy. My grandma could have scored twenty goals in the nineteen eighties. <laughs> like it was just it was easy. Yeah, and I think
1: had like 30 goals one year and everybody i think a lot of people were like yeah but if you put a fire hydrant with gretzky on that line it would have scored 40. (laughs) yeah yeah
0: exactly like there it's it seems like when you say 11 players have done this it seems like a rare accomplishment but most of those players did it when it was easier to do it so it really is a rare accomplishment for um you know oh so i think actually Mats might have been on that list too, which would mean oh. there were three players who did in the dead puck era. But regardless, not many. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I I don't need convincing with the Gunlum because I thought it belonged anyway. But like, I I think that you know I think the case is pretty solid as long as you're willing to recognize that the late '90s sucked.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's really like you know Jersey wins the cup in '95. You know, by the time the Avs win it in 96 over Florida, Florida makes it all the way to the cup final just by trapping the hell out of everybody and having a uh, really hot John Van Beesbrook. And then everybody sort of saw like, wow, that's like two years in a row that like you can win, you can get to the cup by just trapping the shit out of people. They, they just all started doing it. Right. And so that like again, career starts basically when the trap sort of sets in and yep. then you end up with Dallas playing a very, very effective trap and winning a cup. Um, yeah. And even the really – basically, unless you got Detroit, Colorado, it was trap, trap, trap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why – I mean, that's why that rivalry was so good in that area. Like, wow, these are the only two teams who actually kind of play hockey the way it's supposed to be played. Everybody else was sitting back. Yeah. Um, You know, and for him to have scored 625 goals playing a good – or at least the prime of his career during that era. And, I mean, by the time we got to 2004, it was, like, borderline ridiculous where you're like – you're allowed to do anything out there. Like it's just yeah. like you can you can tackle a guy in the slot and it won't even be a penalty. Like it was just crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think people who didn't sort of live through that era and now see the the high flying way the NHL is now sort of forget that. Oh yeah, we had that dead puck era where like it was ridiculously hard to score goals and if you weren't one of the if you weren't the dominant player on your team you won't have quote unquote Hall of Fame worthy stats. Like it's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah. So I mean. It's definitely, I mean, even then, we're still, we're definitely, the goals are up, but, like, they're nothing like they used to be, you know, still to this day. Yeah. I mean.
1: I I don't want it to be like the 80s either, you know. Yeah.
0: No, me too. Yeah. Because, like, it's the number of people who scored 100 points in the 80s. I mean, there's some guys, you know, who, like. I, I, I don't I haven't looked at the adjusted numbers, but there are guys who scored hundred points in the eighties who you know would I'm not even sure they were first line players.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like a hundred point. Well, I mean Gretzky had the two hundred and fifteen points, so yeah, you know. And I mean Gretzky's Gretzky, so of course his numbers are gonna like dwarf everyone else's. But if he scored two hundred and fifteen, you got to figure like second place must have been in the one fifties or one sixties. Yep. And that's that's too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Like, that's like video game stats. You know, it's great. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Shall we move on to Timu?
1: That sounds good to me.
0: Okay. Do you want to start with his career?
1: I will. Just let me fire it up on my phone. Okay.
0: Or I can. It doesn't matter.
1: (laughs) It doesn't matter.
0: No, nothing matters. Don't you know that? The world is meaningless. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since, since you're uh, bringing it up, I'll just say one other thing. It's, This is not, I don't know um, how this, like, where people land on this, but another thing to mention about Aginla is that if his adjusted stats add a full 0.1 points per game, which is a fair amount. Like uh, The adjustment is usually more like 0.03 or 0.05 or something like that. Whereas, like, you know, for Matt I think it's 0.05. For Aginla, it's almost, it's 0.09, um, which just goes to show you that a huge chunk of his career was playing in a lower scoring era than average. And if it's making that much of a difference for the conversion, so it suggests that, you know, had he played in the eighties, he, his numbers would be a lot more, uh, impressive when you're not thinking about context.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's, um, I mean, he's far and away the best player in his draft class. He, uh, you know, and I, I know it's sort of going against the trend of the NHL these days where it seems like nobody ever wants to fight anymore, or if they do, it's sort of like just to try to send a message and then everybody gets into a fight and it's sort of, you know, basically outside of the Bruins, I don't think a team sort of, and, or, well, you know what, Philly's going to the playoffs, so we'll see, I guess, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's outside of teams that sort of have that sort of like cultural identity of like being a big, tough team. Yeah. If fighting is really going out. But again, played in an era where still fighting was like a big component of what teams would do to try to get you off your game or to send a message or to spark, you know, you're down two nothing. And in those days, two nothing was like four nothing now. Um well, we need a fight to get the guys going, and you know, Aginla wouldn't do that kind of fighting, but like to jump in for a teammate or if somebody was just slashing the hell out of him and he'd had enough. I mean, he yep. could really fight. Like if you're yep. thinking Prototypical power forward right winger, he could really chuck him. Like in the, in those days, it was really just him and Bertuzzi. Those were like the two guys where you're like, yeah, yeah, that guy. If if you make him mad, you're. I don't care if you are a fighter, you might eat a few right in the face. Like he's yeah, pretty yeah. tough. So yeah. um, and able to fight through all those checks, and you know it it, it says a lot about uh, the type. Basically, he I I'd be shocked to find out that he's not one of Don Cherry's like top five all time players. You know he's sort yeah. Of like, yeah. Like an old time hockey player, he can just sort of do everything well, including yeah. kind of stand up for himself for a teammate. It's pretty, yeah, pretty absolutely, yeah. Most yeah. guys that are like that, sort of, you have to have seen them play to know how good they are, and it, they don't really have Hall of Fame stats, so it's it's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially with the fighting, the fighting rarely goes hand in hand with the scoring.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree, and fr- from his draft year, he's obviously the most successful. I think. Shane, uh, let's see, uh, that was the Brian Berard Wade Redden year, where they didn't know who was going to go one, two. Um,
0: yeah. Oops.
1: Yeah. Well, Wade Redden was pretty damn good, and uh, he was Bryan good
0: Scott, until like he discovered. Oh, so. well, I was yeah, going to say something else.
1: Six, seven, seven, um, and. Uh, I'm
0: glad you stopped one me. One. I was going to get us sued. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good thing we stopped right there. Uh, Peter Sikora, 18. But yeah, the again, at 11, and the only like notable players before that would have been uh, Shane Doan at 7 and Berard and Redden at 1-2. Um,
0: L- Lankow said, was okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know what? Damon Lankow, before he got hurt, he had tons of concussions. He was a nice player. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Chad Kilgore, not so much. Uh, Ackie Berg. Ackie Berg. I knew knew that was going to be funny. (laughs) Back in the old days when Toronto was Matt Sundin in a collection of junk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the strongest draft in the world.
1: No, really not. Yeah, Montreal, boy. Terry Ryan at number eight and could have had a Ginla. Boy, that's got to (laughs) stink. Yeah. Uh, Kyle McLaren was an okay player. Um, A little dirty, but yeah, Boston. And uh, Radic Dvorak was okay for a little while.
0: A little while, and yeah. There were some yeah. decent players in there. Played but- for a very long time despite <laughs> not, you know, only having a couple good years. I didn't realize Dvorak played 1260 games. Jesus.
1: Yeah, he kind of just hung around forever, eh? Yeah, yeah,
0: he did. He did. He's third in the draft in games. Wow. That's crazy. And he crazy. only had
1: 590 points, so it's not yeah. like he was lighting the world on fire. Yeah, no, he I played forever. He was in that era, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. It's true. Mark Savard was drafted way later, mm. um, so obviously no one was going to pick him. Yeah. But that he would be until the concussions, he would be the only, I think, contender for like, yeah, you know, an offensive star from this draft. Because you know, Don was yeah. Doan Doan. a
1: really good player too. He's he's sort of like a Ginlo light, I would say.
0: Yeah, he played for a very long time, and he was always good. Yeah, it's always just he good. was never like dominant. And there was that whole thing where the Phoenix Coyotes kept insisting he was one of the good young players in the league, and he was like twenty-eight. Yeah. And you're like, guys, he's no longer a prospect. Yeah. Stop referring to him.
1: <laughs> he's your captain. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been the captain for three years. whats so stop saying he's one of the good young players of the league.
1: There, there, there were a lot of years where that, to me, that was the, that was the ticket to winning a cup. for Vancouver was finding a way to get Shane Doan to play on the team. And throw throw him with the Sedins, and they just never seem to get it done. And then he almost yeah. with them one year, and then Phoenix kind of talked him back. And they're like, "No, no, we are going to stay. Dude. Come back. We know you love it here." And then he went back, and then they just sort of ditched him. Oh, we're going with young players now. Bye, Shane. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like you have got to be. I, I uh, yeah, that was uh, I. That didn't sit well with me, which is why I hope they don't get the first overall pick. Um. Yeah, it's, you know, the guy showed so much loyalty, kept going back, even though the team looked like it was going to move and they sucked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not a big fan of that but. Um, but enough about Shane Doan. Let's get on to Timo Solani. Yeah. Let's talk about Timo. <laughs> Good. I, I just watched a clip on TSN about uh, 20 minutes before we started talking, and his son scored the winning goal for the national championship in the States. Uh, uh, well, we're old. Yeah, we're very old. Timu's, you know, driving fancy cars and not as old as we think he is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Timo Solani, uh, 1992 to 2014, 21 seasons, 18 are quality, uh, 684 goals, 11th all time. He's number one from Finland, which is saying something because Yari Curry is also yeah. from Finland. Yes. Um, 773 assists, second all time for a Finn. I'm going to, Take a wild guess and say Curry's number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, for 1,457 points, 15th all time, and first for a Finn. Uh, plus 95, fifth all time. Oh, no, sorry. He's the fifth Finn? Yeah. Wow. Mm, wow, the Fins with a good plus minus. In uh, 1,451 games, uh, 25th all time, uh, and the first Finn um yeah that's a, that's sort of weird the way it was written um sorry yeah so i don't know if the fifth fin is there yeah i, I have a feeling that like that shouldn't be there uh but anyways i'm gonna go ahead and say plus 95 in 1451 games which would put him 25th and the first fin or, or unless that's also referring to points somehow but i think it's the plus minus um 1807 uh Average time on ice um, and a 172.3 point share, which puts him 16th all time and the first fin. Um, Solani is sixth all time in offensive point shares, first fin. And uh, of his era, of the nine players to play in at least 1,300 games between 1992 and 2014, Solani is first in goals, second in goals per game. Uh, points, points per games, offensive point share, and games. So he's second in all of those. Uh, Do we know who was first?
0: Uh, Do we know who was first? That's a really good question. Um,
1: I was thinking probably Jaeger, but... Jaeger. Yeah, that's my guess. Um, Fourth in assists. Fourth in assists uh, per game, and third in point shares. Um, His 82-game average... uh, 39 goals, 43 assists for 82 points, and a plus five with a 9.7 point share. His three-year peak, 96 to 99, had an 82-game average of 54 goals, 55 assists for 110 points, and plus 21. Notable to say that that's the very start of the dead puck era too, and he was still scoring like crazy. So, yep. Um, Didn't he? Am I mistaken, or did he win the first two ever Rocket Richard trophies? He did. He did. Yeah,
0: yeah, or at least the first one. He I won think, the first one.
1: Yeah, I think he won the first two actually. Okay. And then I think Berri won one, so I think it was those three guys, uh, those two guys who started it off. Uh, when once they actually awarded a trophy, before that it was just whoever had the most.
0: just the first one. I think he might have led the league in goals the year before too.
1: Okay, okay. But yeah, he was a hell of a player in an era where boy scoring was hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, his possession since uh, two thousand seven. Um, 49.5, um, Corsi with a negative 0.1 relative Corsi, uh, a 49.3 Fenwick and a negative 0.7 Fenwick relative. Um, so he's, you know, possession, he's kind of right there. Right. So, um,
0: but it's, that's the tail end of his career too.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's not fair, right? I mean, before that, he was yeah, – that's it. Um, so it's really hard to say. Um, his uh, playoffs, 44 goals and 44 assists for eighty-four po- uh, 88 points, rather. <laughs> Badder than that. Uh, and minus 16. I figure that goes with trying to think of, like, what years he would have been in the playoffs where he would have accrued all that minus because that Anaheim team was pretty damn good. Um, yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, you know what? Maybe his uh, his very early years with the Jets when they just get smoked out of the playoffs in the first round.
0: Definitely a possibility.
1: Yeah. Um, his adjusted stats, 741 goals, which would be fourth all time, 824 assists for 1,565 points, which would be ninth all time. Um, his adjusted 82 game average, 42 goals, 47 assists for 88 points. Is adjusted points per game. If the qualifier is set at 1,250 games, Solani is, ni- Solani is ninth all time in adjusted points per game. If the qualifier is lower to 1,000 games, then Solani is 11th all time uh, in adjusted points per game. If the qualifier is lower to 750 games, Solani is 19th all time in adjusted points per game. Um, he was traded twice in his prime, um, although uh, I I'm trying to think. Wasn't there that year that, like, they also, uh, it was Solani and Korea went and signed?
0: Yeah, it was later.
1: That was later? Okay. Yeah. yeah so he's
0: traded Jets to Sharks, right? Yeah. And then Sharks to Ducks.
1: Okay. And, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. his
0: contract finished. And then he and Korea signed to the Avalanche for a year. And they both had terrible years.
1: Yeah. And then they
0: and, then they, and then Solani went back to the Ducks. Yeah. And then he, and then discovered he could still play hockey.
1: Yes. Yeah. He sure did. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: uh, okay, so the accomplishments. Go
1: ahead.
0: Are uh, when they called there in 1993, he won the first ever Rocket Richard in 1999. He also won the Masters and uh, Master Ten. I always do that. Um, in 2006, that's the Comeback Player of the Year, I believe. Uh, he was top five. In hard voting three times in 97 98 and 99 and he was a top five player overall player by point shares four times in 93 in 97 98 and 99 there's a theme here um he was the best offensive player in the league in 1998 and he was top five um five more times or five total times so 98 93 97 99 and 07 which is crazy because that's way later in his career and then he was Uh, Top 10 three more times in 96, 06, and 11, um, which would have been 20 years into his career, just about 18, I guess. He scored 76 goals in 1993, famously, um, breaking the league rookie record at the time. He's one of only six players to have at least 75 goals in a season. He scored 50 goals 3 times, one of only 20 players to do so. He's, he scored 45 goals 5 times, one of only 18 players to do so. He scored 40 goals 7 times, one of only 17 players to do so. He scored 30 goals 10 times, 25 goals 16 times, which one of only 7 players to do so, and 20 goals 17 times, one of only four play, 14 players to do so. He tallied 60 assists twice, 50 assists 6 times, 40 assists 9 times. He scored over 130 points once, one of only 23 players ever. Uh, He scored 100 points four times, one of only 25 players to do so. 90 points six times, one of only 23 players to do so. 80 points nine times, one of only 23 players. 70 points 10 times, 60 points 12 times, and 50 points 15 times. He led the league in goals 12. Uh, three times, uh, top five five times and top ten in goals six times. He led the league in goals per game twice. He was in the top five five times and the top ten six times. He was top five in assists once and top ten in assist five times. He was top five in assists per game once and top ten twice. He was top five in points four times, top ten seven times. He was top five in points per game three times and top ten seven times. He was a first uh, team all-star twice. He was also an all-rookie, obviously, <laughs> with 76 goals. Uh, he was a second team all-star twice. Uh, he was in 10 all-star games. It is also worth noting that he led the SM Liga in Finland in goals once before he entered the NHL. Heck
1: of a stat line. Jeez. Yeah, he's... Uh, we're, yeah. I, I think with him, we're sort of getting into the no-doubter uh, no category. No <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, his great teams, uh, he was the best forward on one final four, the 06 Mighty Ducks. Um, the top, A top three forward on one champion, the 07 Ducks. Um, yeah. When he re- when he sort of realized he could play hockey again because people weren't hanging off of him all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, MVP on one Olympic bronze, 14 Finland. He was the officially named the best forward in the Olympics. Um, uh, on the uh, runner-up, the 06 Finland team. Um, a top three forward by points on one Olympic bronze, the '98 Finland team, uh, famously the, uh, <laughs> that's the one where, you know, Canada had just lost to the Czech Republic and just totally mailed it in. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, But I mean, still, you can't take it away from Finland. They, they, yeah. you know, they could have given us a run for it. Finland's one of those teams where like recently in the world juniors and stuff, they've really kind of put together some very nice teams. But every time you play them, you're like, we might beat them, but boy, it's going to be tough. Like, they're, yep. they're not easy. Um, and they have some very fine hockey players. Um, as evidenced by Timu, and now uh, they've got Lanny and they're scoring a bajillion yep. goals. Um, so, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with at the next Olympics if they let the pros go back. Um, so, he was a uh, top three forward by points on that Olympic bronze in 98 in Finland uh 98 for finland and nagano uh a top six forward by points on another olympic bronze uh 10 in finland they seem to win a lot of bronze medals um a top three forward by points uh on one world championship runner-up uh 99 in finland uh 99 finland and one bronze 08 finland um the best player, with a question mark, by points on one SM Liga champion, 92 Joker at Helsinki. Um, I guess you'd have to sort of figure uh, if he had the most points uh, and it was before he even made it to the NHL. You yeah, probably. Have probably. But that's just, in that, yeah. in
0: that case, I, I'm also wondering, like, I don't know how good the goalie was. I don't yeah. know how good their best defenseman was, that's right? True. Like, who knows?
1: You'd have to ask somebody from Finland who would. ask. But
0: we got to assume probably it was him.
1: Probably. Um, yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, Solani, I mean... Bit of a no-doubter. Bit of a no-doubter, you know, I mean, it's one of those things you do. The minute he came into the league, he could just absolutely fly. It wasn't the clutch and grab area yet, so he was actually able to fly, and they had that crazy goal showdown with him and McGilney. Um, yeah. Almost like the... Uh, it was almost like that Maguire-Sosa home run race. I mean, minus the end throw, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like like every day we're like oh what did what did uh, McGilney do last night patrick what did solani do four goals like what the hell <laughs> just man they just kept scoring and it was all they were both so fast it was all breakaway stuff right like yeah. in those days speed was like you'd have a guy and i don't want to say cherry picking but a guy who would leave the zone a bit early and if you could hit him with that pass he was just gone because so yeah. many guys made the nhl back then who could just flat out compared to today just not skate. <laughs> like, yes. Cuz so many guys are those big plodding slow tough defensemen who could, you know, beat the crap out of you in front of the net and slow you down, but if you got them in the open ice and they couldn't get a hold of you, man, you were gone. Like it was just yeah. crazy. So there's a lot of breakaway goals in those days and those guys both scored a ton of them. Um but, yeah, I mean, 76 goals, That's even in that era, man, that's a lot of goals. <laughs>
0: it crazy. is a lot of goals.
1: It's a heck of a start to a career as well. And uh, yeah, excited, it's, the and... one that he scored on the penalty shot to break uh, Mike Bossy's record. <laughs> and uh, he, he threw his glove in the air and did the, like, shooting the glove out of the – Oh, yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sure I remember that, yeah. Five. It's one of the best moments.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I think it's also worth noting that, you know, like, it, it really – it gives a good comparison uh, with a Gimla in part because, you know, they they started the uh, four years apart and Solani never came close to scoring the same number of goals ever again. Right. He scored yeah. 76. And then I believe his next highest was like 52 or something. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge difference and that has nothing two. to do do with okay. him right yes
1: yeah, it's, it's the era changed
0: yeah because he one year he led the league in goals and he scored 47 the the first year he won the rocket richard he scored 47 goals
1: yeah we were in that little that little period there where it was like oh the best goal scorer in the league is not going to hit 50 and he's still going to win the rocket richard like that's yeah gonna happen. and
0: that was uh that was uh you know that's almost 30 less than he did uh-huh. in that other season when he led the yeah. league in goals that's um by the way, yes. uh, I, I realized I left out his draft comparison there. So uh-huh. just to fill that in, um, in his draft year he, he was drafted 10th overall. He's uh, fourth in games played, uh, first in goals, shocking. Um, third in assists, second in points, and uh, I don't he's, sixth in plus minus and he would be he's following behind Recky in the in the games and points but that's just because Recky played forever.
1: Yeah that's I mean understandable right
0: Recky played two two hundred more games than Solani did. Wow. Wow so that
1: yeah <laughs> and Solani played what twenty one seasons? <laughs> that's, yeah that's
0: Solani played forever. Recky yeah. played for for extra forever. Like he just played you know so um, but, like, Slenny, in part because he played forever, but also in part because he was somehow miraculously able to play in a borderline elite level when he was in his late 30s, um, has better, you know, uh, per game numbers over his career, right? Like, his 82-game average, I believe, is better than and, um if I'm not mistaken. And anyway... Uh, I just I forgot to write that in there so I just wanted to mention that as well. I mean I I don't think there's like you can make a case. Not only can you not make a case that he doesn't belong. I think though I wouldn't argue that Solani was better than Yager and I wouldn't argue that Solani was better than someone like Howe. I do think you could at least looking at this resume you could at least think about including him in the conversation of the greatest right wings in the history of the league.
1: Oh yeah, and, and you know the the thing is too. I mean, you look at his draft year, and it was a very good draft year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Medano yeah. and Lyndon won two. Um, Marty Gelinas seventh, Jeremy Roenick eighth, Rod Brindamore ninth, and then Timo Solani tenth. Yeah. Even with Medano, as you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, a, a pretty much surefire Hall of Famer. Um, yeah. Timo's still like his stats are better. He's got, you know, more than a hundred more goals. Yep. I mean, he's yes. As far as I'm concerned, Solani's the best player to come out of that draft. I can't think of anybody who's no, I agree with even, that. Even, even Madano, who I, you know, I quite like Medano and think he does belong in the hall. I'm still, Oh, well, there's Ty Domi. Let's not forget that. Don, Don <laughs> don't have an argument for us. Um, McGillney
0: too. McGillney was in that draft year.
1: Okay. Yeah. But did, you know what? McGillney's
0: man. No, we'll we'll, we'll have Before that we conversation yes, when, when we, we get yeah. there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I guess which won't be
0: that been, long from now, I think, because he's he's going to yeah. be he's going to be on that eligible list soon.
1: That's true. Yeah,
0: or he is on the eligible list. I mean, he'll be on our eligible list soon.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that. But you know, there's a there's a few very fine players in that draft. But I, I would I would put Solani above everybody else. Yeah, I agree with
0: that. I think I think safe to say um, the only person who has more points than him um, has like 70 something more points than him and did that in 201 more games. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, and yeah, the rest of those guys, I mean, there's some really good players in there, but I think it's, it's, I agree with you. I think it's safe to say hands down. And honestly, in terms of the, Certainly, the the wingers of his era. The I think the only one right wingers, anyway. The only one who of uh, Fermer's era that you would say is better is Jaeger, and you know I think unless I'm missing somebody,
1: I I don't see anybody else in the, in that era that I would. I mean, in terms of like, I guess you would say Ye- yeah, Jaegers. I don't know. It's hard to say because Jaegers. Um, I guess you would say more of like a classic hockey player where Solani sort of did it all with like speed at the very beginning, but then yeah. like Solani's game grew and he sort of adapted to the way that you had to play to score goals, you know, the, the good one timer, the good wrister finding spots in the slot. Cause you just, you couldn't get the breakaways anymore cause they were always trapping the crap. Out yeah. of so, yeah. I mean, he still scored goals. Like basically no matter what you did, he was going to score some goals. Like that yeah. was going to happen. So, and, uh, I remember back in 07, I was watching – I was living in Japan at the time and went over to my buddy's place because he had a sling box so we could watch uh, Vancouver and Anaheim play at, like, 10 in the morning. (laughs) And I remember Solani came onto the ice, and I'm like, oh, my God, look out. Solani's on the ice. And it was a really close game. One of the Vancouver defensemen lost his stick. I'm like, oh, Solani's totally going to (laughs) score. And sure enough, the puck goes right to him. Defenseman doesn't have a stick. He bats it out of midair in the net. I'm like, oh. Damn it, Solani! <laughs> like, you're so good. <laughs> just I kind of could feel it coming. Like, oh boy, yeah, yeah. that guy is on the ice. You know, he's well. He's one of those guys. He gets on the ice. You're instantly worried if you're a fan of the opposing team.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think it was just you know, it's we. It, you know, it was. Uh, I I didn't watch anybody but the Leafs in 1993 because I was young and more of a baseball fan. Yes. Um, and the base and it was the only reason I was watching the Leafs in 1993 is cause it was the cool thing to do cause they were suddenly good. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't really follow the, the goal race real time like you did, yeah. but like it is, you know, he, I was a serious hockey fan by the time that he was leading the league in goals when it was impossible. It was very hard to score. Um, and you know he made a big impression on me then and then of course he really made a big impression on me when he sort of resuscitated his career after Colorado yeah and just didn't seem to age for a
1: while oh yeah and
0: you were just like there was that year i think it was 2011 yeah it's 2011 when he scored 80 points mm-hmm. and he was 40
1: yeah
0: it was his well it was his age 40 season i don't know exactly when he turned 40 that year yeah. but like and you're just like what you're 40. How are you? And, like, that's one of the things that I find really impressive about his career, in addition to, like, the stats. And I think he has a, you know, I think we're both agreed he's a no doubter, but, like, you know, Recky wasn't scoring uh 80 points at 40. um If again, made it to 40, he may have, he might have been 39. I'm not 100% sure. He wasn't scoring 80 points. Like, this is, that's a hard thing to do, you know, and Yager's done similar somewhat similar he hasn't scored eighty but he's scored like in the sixties yeah. but like it's pretty I mean some of that is just you know yes, we live in a world now where there's stuff available for you to s- stay healthy longer stay fit longer than you used to be able to but still it's it's pretty damn impressive to like oh, yeah. to you know he did have one or two bad years um three I believe total but like yeah that's not a lot when your career is 21 seasons long and yeah, no kidding. I mean, he's just had an incredible career and it's, you know, there's nothing you can, you can't really, you know, he was, he's, I think it's, it's between him and Curry uh, that who's the best finished forward anyway of all time and, and possibly best finished player ever. And yeah. like the one thing you can say about Solani that you can't say about Curry is like Solani never had a Gretzky, exactly. you know, like, that year he scored 76 goals, the best players on his team were, like, Kachuk and Housley or something like that, right? Like, yeah, he, with, but with like apologies said, like, to those guys, they're not Gretzky.
1: No, definitely not. And the thing is, you know, he, he came in and it was, like, for for McGillney and Bure and Solani, and there's probably some speed burner I'm forgetting about, um, I want to say Russ Kornilov, but probably not. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I really like Russ Cortino, though. Um, but like you know, the had like these speed demons, who like like kind of like Paul Byron's doing right now in Montreal, where it's like, how many breakaways does that guy get? Like he's just everywhere, like just. Yeah. And it's you know back in that era too, the emphasis on defensive zone play wasn't as strong as it is now like the, the European coaching with this trap and the left wing lock and all these like systems hadn't quite come in yet yeah, yeah so you could kind of cheat a bit and if you got a step on a guy they were all so fast it's like oh he's got a step that's a breakaway and like I, I remember watching Bure and of course the same must have been true of Solani and McGilney at the time I didn't watch as many of their games because you just well quite quite honestly didn't have access to them in those days um yeah but they would, they would like, they got a step on a guy, they were gone, and they each one of them, I would assume, had at least a breakaway game. Like, at least. Because yeah, they were yeah. just constantly looking for them, right? And teams would, I mean, teams had plays designed to get breakaways. Like, oh, okay, we're going to do this, you pass it over here, and then you lob it, and he's gone. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a completely different era, but what I, the one argument that I think puts Solani as, like, an absolute slam dunk, like, no doubter, is, like, no matter how defensive minded the league got, he always was able to score
0: yeah.
1: elite levels of goals. Like, like, you know, top 10 in goals, like just yeah. any, like if he's a speed, yeah. demon, then that doesn't really benefit his game, but he could go and, you know, score from down below the wings and sort of do everything. So yeah, it's I uh, I don't think. Top 10,
0: six anything. times, top 10 in goal six times, which is pretty good.
1: Damn right. That's, I mean, that's, that's something else. And I mean, I think Solani was always like a good goal, like a, a very good goal scorer who had great seasons where it's like, wow, he's like he's on fire kind of thing, you know. But yeah, was, yeah. he's I didn't see Curry play, so I, I don't know that I want to make that argument that they're either one, two, I I, I think you'd have to ask some somebody who's finished and who saw both of them play their <laughs> entire careers, probably. Yeah. Um, but you know, they're Solani's one of the better players I've ever seen, and, and goal scorers that I've ever seen in, in the whole time I've been watching hockey, and I've seen his entire career. So, yeah, um, you know, it's like him and Burray and uh, unfortunately McGillney comes in a little light just because he didn't play as much and he had so many knee injuries. But uh, man, those, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, we'll get to we'll get to McGillney, but he's sort of like yeah. a light version of both of those guys. But Solani is, I I think, and this is hard for me to say because I love Burray so much, but. I think, given the, the longevity that Timu had, um, and obviously Burris was just cut short due to knee injury, but given the longevity that Timu had, I think you have to put him number one in, in that, that class of player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and he adapted his game probably. Burry somehow ended up like he continued to just get breakaways in Florida, <laughs> even yeah. in the middle of the clutch and grab. Like, how are you doing that? Almost um,
0: scored sixty goals. Yeah. Somehow.
1: That's, yeah. Somehow. <laughs> there were more breakaways, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but Solani was able to adapt his game a, a lot of different ways. And I've like tons of respect for that. Cause it's not when you, when you do something as well as Solani did that to not continue to just do the same thing, because that's what worked before is pretty incredible. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, shall we move on to, uh, the old timer?
1: Yeah. Didi Petra.
0: All right. Yes. Um, I'm going to start with his career. Uh, so he uh he started he had a 6 season NHL career which doesn't seem like a lot but that's cuz he was playing in his 30s uh from the start of the league in 1927 until 1923 four of those seasons are quality by our standard of 0.5 per game uh points per game but the thing is it was the uh it was the late teens and early 20s and the the per game numbers were all over the place different years um there wasn't really a pattern back then um, for a few years, uh, he had six, he scored sixty four goals total, which uh, at his at his retirement was twelfth all time somehow, and uh, he had thirty three assists, which was eleventh all time, and ninety seven points total in his entire career in the NHL for fourteenth all time at his retirement, uh, and that was in one hundred twenty seven games, which would have put him ninth, and he had eight point seven point shares, which now you could put up in a good NHL season. <laughs> and that made him 20th all time at his retirement. At his retirement, uh Petra was 17th in goals per game and APG and or sorry, assists per game and 18th in points per game if you set the qualifier to 82 games played or one full NHL season now. Um so these are a little absurd we get that, but you know, we're trying to try to compare him to other eras. It's 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 a fool's errand, but anyway. At his retirement, he was 21st all-time in offensive point shares um, with the same absurd qualifier. His 82-game average was a hilarious 41 goals, 21 assists for 62 points. Because of course they didn't play 82 games, but also they didn't count assists all the time. And the secondary, the second assist, the, ne- the now famous hockey assist, didn't yet exist. Uh-huh. Um, His three-year peak of 1917 to 1920, he had a 24-game average. 24 games was the season length at the time. Or, sorry, I think it was 20 and then longer than that, but it was 24 games, about an average season for 1917, 1918. Um, Of 18 goals, 9 assists for 27 points, so over a point per game in that period, despite the lack of secondary assists. His playoff numbers are NHL playoff numbers, I should point out, they were still challenging for the uh, cup with other leagues at the time. But NHL player playoff numbers are nine. Uh, sorry, two goals, four assists for six points in nine games. His adjusted numbers get kind of silly. They are 86 goals, 152 assists for 238 points. And that partly has to do with the fact that the hockey reference calculation doesn't like over factors in for the missing secondary assists. So they like add a whole ton of assists that didn't exist. Um, his adjusted 82 game average is 56 goals 98 assists for 154 points you can see this is a joke (laughs) if the qualifier is set to one NHL season Petra is 17th all time in adjusted points per game but of course that's ridiculous he was traded once uh, prior to the existence of the NHL now the reason he entered uh, the NHL in his 30s is because he was a star in the NHA these are all approximate guesses. Uh, there is no that I'm aware of. There's no online database that has all the NHA stats, so I had to sort of look at uh, various NHA seasons and try to figure out if he, if where he was. He, uh, by my guess, he was third all time in goals, fifth all time in assists, third all time in points, twelfth all time in points per game. Uh, and possibly third all-time in games played, but that's really sketchy because it's a lot easier to find information about who led the leagues in goals and assists and points than it is in uh, games played. There's way, there's there's defensemen who probably played lots of games who aren't on any leaderboards, so they don't get counted. Um, it's also worth noting that Petra was briefly in the very short-lived International Professional Hockey League, which was pre-NHA, and he was a star in that one too before going to the NHA. So he was a star in the earliest pro league as well. Uh, no idea how he compares to his uh, contemporaries cause I didn't bother to look that up.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty tough to find information. Yeah. Of. Um, I mean like you, you, you know, he was, he was on some important teams, you know, he was good. You know, he was, yeah. his stats were, you know, for what we know, very good, uh, yeah. very highly regarded. Um, but it's hard to know that. Um, Know that definitively, anyways. Um, his yeah. accomplishments: top ten offensive player, uh, by offensive point shares twice in 1918 and 1919. A uh, top ten defensive player by DPS once in uh, defensive point shares. That is, uh, once in 18, but uh, there's a big asterisk right there. <laughs> <now. laughs> uh, top five in goals once, top ten thrice, top ten in goals per game thrice. Top five in assists once, top ten twice. Top five in assists per game once, top five in points once, top ten thrice. Top five in points per game once, top ten thrice. Uh, Pre-NHL, he led the IHL or the IPHL, as you just referenced, in 1905-1906 in scoring and led the NHA in assists and points in 1915-1916 um great team so this uh you know the stanley cup was always vied for by multiple teams it was a challenge cup sort of thing um uh, he was a top three forward potentially uh and led the nhl playoffs and assists on one nhl champion the 1919 Canadiens. the cup was canceled due to the spanish flu which we covered in the last episode yep. which killed joe hall and th- yes. thereafter in his career didier Pitre became a defenseman because they're like well we got a lot of forwards you seemed to be able to play defense you go do that and he actually was able to play defense because he used to be a rover when they had oh okay interesting yeah they're like oh you you you're used to skating all over the ice here you you be that guy um so like and i mean he was born in 1883 and started playing hockey uh you know he was playing as early in like professional by like 1904 um so i mean really you know from his early 20s, he had been a rover, then they changed the rules, and there was no more seven-man hockey, but he yeah. sort of knew how to play defenseman, defense, and he actually finished his career as a defenseman. Um, so uh-huh. pretty, pretty impressive to have that sort of versatility. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then, you know, of course, his points at the end would have declined, you know, yeah. crazy. Um, so... Uh, He was a top six forward on two NHL runners-up, the 1918 and 1923 Canadiens. He was the best player, led the playoffs and goals on one Stanley Cup champion, the 1916 Canadiens, and one Stanley Cup runner-up, the 1917 Canadiens. And uh, he was a reserve on one Stanley Cup runner-up, the uh, 09 Professionals. Um, So, I mean, it's... Interesting to think about Petra, but I mean, it's almost sort of like Joe Hall, except without the, you died, so you should, you died for hockey, therefore you should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, he was a member of uh, the Flying Frenchman, you know, like the, the Canadians still have that nickname, and yep. it was uh, him and Jack LaViolette and uh, New Zealand. Zealand. Um,
0: yeah, just a note on that, we've decided that Jack LaViolette wasn't good enough as a player to talk about. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. We're, we're not going to talk about that other member, but I'm sure we'll get to yeah. Newsy. So.
0: Yeah, we're getting to Newsy, yeah, two, for two sure.
1: Two-thirds of the Flying Frenchman will be discussed. Yeah, yeah. Jack LaViolette will be mentioned. Um, but, you know, he played for uh, Le National when uh, when they were a team in the NHA back in the old days. Um, he played for the Sioux Indians. He played for the Montreal Shamrocks. He played for the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, and then, no, not the football team. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then he played for the millionaires both in Renfrew and the Vancouver millionaires. Uh, so that's, you know, he won a cup with uh, the Vancouver millionaires um, and then with the, uh, with the Canadians for all those years. So, I mean, he's, you know, multiple cups was clearly one of the best players of his generation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sort of was like a, I guess you would say like a foundational player or a, you know, a top line player with the very early incarnations of the Canadians when, you know, they were the French-Canadian team in Quebec, sort of, like, getting that, um, you know, the, the, the old NHA used to always have, like, uh, you know, an English Montreal team and a French Montreal team. Yeah. Because, because Quebec's just always been that way. <laughs> um, and, you know, to, to be one of the f- first members of the Flying Frenchman and, you know, with the stats he had, the versatility he had, it's pretty hard to make an argument that he shouldn't be in even though we don't really have much statistical basis, but it seems like he was definitely one of the better players of his era. And when he was playing forward, did score quite a few points. So,
0: I think it's, it's, it's hard to say he doesn't belong because I mean, by a rough estimate, he was one of the top three offensive players in the NHA. Well, I mean, I know his points per game weren't that great, but that's, I didn't I didn't mention that the reason is he's only 12th all time in points per game in the NHA, by my estimation is because a lot of the guys ahead of him played half or a third as many games as he did. Yeah.
1: Totally. He
0: supposedly by my guess he's third all times in games and and the guys who are the top 5 or 4 or something all played 100 something games in the NHA. Most of the other guys on the points per game leaderboard played like 30, 40. So, you know, you can say, oh, his PPG isn't great for that league. I mean, it's good, but not, like, absolutely elite. But it's because he played forever, and unlike some of these other people who were only in the best league in the world at the time for a, a couple seasons. And so I think he's he has to be looked on as one of the top three. You know, him, Joe Malone, and uh, New Zealand alone are the, like, three best NHA players, probably, forwards, anyway. Um and uh, and then the fact that he was able to come in in his mid thirties in the NHL and have a couple years where he was a star, um, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he was old, um, you know, and he, we're talking about someone who was in a pro league in in the 1900s. Yeah. you know, he was in that first, you know, the the International mm-hmm. Professional Hockey League, which and and uh, led it in scoring. Yeah. and then like, you know. 15 years later was uh, was still an important player on an NHL team. I, I, I think like I think he has to be in um, I just I think that you know the only way you can't put him in is if you decide that NHA people are disqualified. And if yeah. you do that, then okay, fair enough, his NHL numbers are not that great. Especially because, you know, I got into those absurd adjusted numbers. When we get to Newsy Zealand alone, these things will look like nothing. And Joe <laughs> Malone, like those two guys will make, you know, his 154 points adjusted uh, 82 game average, you know, make it look like ri- ridiculous. Because yeah. I believe one of them has like two or 300 or something like that. Um, anyway, I, I think that unless you're willing to say that, that is the pre-NHL games yeah. don't matter... And I'm not willing to say that personally, um, despite the fact it's hard to find this information. I think he, I think he has a very good case.
1: I would agree with that absolutely.
0: Um, and you know, it's it's one of those things that it's too bad they didn't keep better records, but yeah. oh well. And it's also thank you for mentioning the the uh, defensive the uh, switch to defenseman. I don't know that that still explains his be his hockey reference. Defensive point shares in the top ten in 1918, but it's <laughs> um, that's why we have to take these uh, these uh, historical comparison stats with a grain of salt because like the things that they use to calculate defensive point shares basically didn't exist in 1918, so it's just a rough it's like a rough estimate of like I believe they take the number of goal the goals that the team scored and the number of goals the player. I don't know, contributed, you know, prevented. I don't know even how they calculate that. Um, Anyway, without plus minus and without other things, it's impossible to know how the hell he could be, a forward could be considered a top 10 player. Defensive player. It's pretty funny. Anyway, I I have nothing else to say about him, I don't think. I mean, I Uh, think he... No,
1: just, you know, just the fact that he was so important to the, you know, I mean, the... uh... I'm sure you watched that hockey of people's history that came out.
0: Uh, i watched parts of it.
1: Yeah. It must've have, must have been well over a decade ago. Um, yeah. But when that came out, like they they devoted a good chunk of one of the early episodes, to DDA Petra and the flying Frenchman. So, I mean, it's, uh, he's obviously an important figure and I figure anybody who ended up being that important from that era had to have just been, you know, one of the, one of the guys that yeah. sort of built hockey uh, was an early star in the game that sort of brought people out to see it. Um, and you just sort of have to assume that whatever stats we have are an indicator of how good he must have been, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 Cause it's like, I look at his like, you know, the lack of assists. It's always so funny when you look at these old timers and you're like, they had what? They have twice as many goals as assists? Yeah what? They must have been puck hogs. No, no, that's not what happened. They no, just didn't only, count.
1: There was only one assist and the guy doing the scorekeeping was uh, eating a hot dog while he yeah. made the pass. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So no assist on this particular play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, that, that wraps up another uh, episode. Um, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're setting a bad precedent so far. Cause I think we have, we have two episodes where we're basically just like, yep, all three of them belong. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, oh, well, we're going to get to some people that
0: eventually we're going to get some people where we're like, yeah, maybe this person doesn't belong but <laughs> not as yet. This is what happens when you start with like eligible players by like games play total games played. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening and we will be back with another episode. of uh, once we figure out who we're talking about, I guess. So (laughs) do you, do you have anything to plug before we go? Uh, I
1: do not know. Okay.
0: Neither do I. So,
1: uh, yes. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.